Good morning and welcome to episode 97 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I've got another good one for you. Today, my guest is Carson Ting. He's the founder and illustrator at Chairman Ting Industries in Vancouver, British Columbia. During this episode, we talk about how his 2009 side hustle slowly transitioned into his full-time gig. He talks about that transition, what that was like, was his wife on board, and what it all looked like. He also talks about the advertising course that he took in the early days that really lit his creative fire, just flicked that switch for him. We also get into where his first illustration came from, and it was actually through an ad piece that he was a part of that didn't go well, and he needed to save it by doing an illustration. He also tells us about a project that he worked on in partnership with the Toronto Raptors, so that is a cool story as well. Just before I get into it, I should let you know a couple of minutes into this episode, we do a quick little audio swap. The microphone he was using wasn't quite bringing the volume that I needed, so we switched And uh, a few minutes in, you'll hear the audio transition and uh, just sound a little bit more clear for you. Um, So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guest, Carson Ting. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Carson. Thanks for being on the show this morning. Good morning to you as well, and thanks for having me on the show. Happy to have you. Are you ready for a quickie then? Oh, yeah. Let's All right. Well, I'll briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, my name is Carson Ting. Uh, I am the founder and illustrator of a very tiny, tiny, tiny studio called Chairman Ting Industries. I called it Industries just to uh, be funny. Uh, <laughs> and we operate out of Vancouver. Uh, we're a three-man uh, shop, and, uh, and yeah, I, do, I draw for a living. Perfect. And how long have you, how long has the agency been there, the studio been there? Uh, it's been around since uh, 09 as a, just a stupid little experimental thing, uh, a side hustle at, uh, when I had a day job as an art director, mm-hmm. uh, working at an agency called Rethink. Um, and then gradually it, it got uh, more serious and then I um, went full-time uh, while still freelancing as an art director on the side. And then officially, I would say, uh, we incorporated 2016. So three years ago, uh, I went full-time on this, and I stopped freelancing and um, just focused solely on on my business alone. So that's still kind of like a fresh transition for you. Yeah, it's 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 weird because uh, even on LinkedIn, it's like, you've been working on it for 10 years. I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> it's a side hustle. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but then, yeah, officially it's like 2016 and that's when I got serious. I was talking to my accountant and so, you know, um, uh, it's, it's fresh, but it's not, it's, it's a very weird and surreal, uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you were making the transition from art director at Rethink and, you know, you were going to double down and go for it, um, were spouse on board? Was that a, was that a tough conversation? 
Yeah, no, she was uh, super supportive of whatever I, I did. She only drew the line when I was offered to go to Wyden Kennedy's, um, uh, it's called the WK12 program. I don't, I don't know if it's still around, but what they do is it's a, it's a, it's an internship essentially mm-hmm. uh, at Wyden Kennedy, but you're working on real clients and they only take 12. So it's called the WK12. It's, it's very experimental. And I had just accepted a job offer as a senior art director at uh, Blast Radius to work on uh, Nike Jordan. Oh, got it. And my wife was like, no, you're not doing that. We're not moving to Portland and not getting paid. Uh, so that's what she did. Uh, but other than that, um, um, it was cool. She she saw like you know she saw the potential and she wasn't uh, she didn't question anything and um, she was cool. Awesome. That makes it so it much a easier. Very, right? It was a super super slow transition though. Like yeah, it was like a side hustle. Uh, you know, um, uh, when I had a day job and then that went on for years. And then even when I, uh, you know, went solo, I was still freelance freelancing at agencies. Yeah. Uh, just to be safe. And that was another couple of few years, you know, like everything was just super, super slow. <laughs> yeah, that's smart though. You know, you don't, you could rip the bandaid off and just jump right in, but that leaves a lot less uh, safety, you know, when you're in the world of mortgages and rents and all the other important stuff that oh, has to happen. Totally. And I, I also, I'm also a very greedy person. Like I, I love being in agencies. I love being surrounded by you know, smart people and fun people. And I just love being around, um, uh, you know, really cool working environments. And as an illustrator, it's a very solitary experience. And uh, I, I, that's a, the only part that I hated about being an illustrator because I don't really get to collaborate with anyone. I'm just sitting by my desk or by a wall illustrating, you know. Just You're kind of in own. your zone. Yeah, yeah. it's got its, you know, uh, you know pros and cons. Um, so I, I, I loved the balance between, you know, being an agency world, and then, uh, and then coming home, and then going to the studio, and and doing my thing, uh, but it was, but in the end, it got too much. Uh, I had to pick a side, and then thankfully, now that I'm in the studio, um, we hired a, a girl straight from UBC last year. Uh, she's been kicking ass and uh, helping with so much, and and then I've got two studio mates: one photographer named Hubert Kang, and a surface designer named Annie Chen. Um, husband and wife team, they're based in Squamish, they come into the studio, so we have, it's almost like a little mini agency, and, uh, you know, I keep saying that, and then now, finally, I think we're kind of acting almost like a little mini agency, because we were asked to pitch for an RFP, and we beat a bunch of agencies for this branding project, and it was a collaborative effort, and I, I, so now I'm in this zone where I have this nice balance, where I'm still doing my own shit, illustrating, and then I've got other people around me, and we have contractors come in as well, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, right now, it's uh, a really good time. That's cool. I wanted to go back even further than that 2009, those earlier days when you were still hustling on the side with your freelance thing, but doing the full-time art director thing. And I want to ask you about your childhood. And I want to know what that was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you down this career path? I had a very standard childhood. <laughs> standard, uh, nothing I really like exciting. Uh, you know, middle class, uh, you know, uh, uh, parents, uh, immigrant parents from Hong Kong, and uh, very conservative. Um, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, I would say. I was just a really bad student, and uh, I had a hard time concentrating. And so a lot of um, my time was spent on just kind of doodling and just uh, drawing comic books on the side. So mm-hmm. that I think that's the the only kind of creative thing. Uh, my dad was uh, he never he was he was in, he was in a like professional artist. He was a 
was like the electrical engineer, but mm-hmm. um, he showed me, you know, crayons and stuff like that. But yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing interesting as a story. Got uh, it. Say. So when you were starting to go in the creative direction, um, a number of guests that I've had that come from those immigrant families, um, you know, it's a hard sell to their parents about going in that creative design illustration field. Did you have oh, that yeah. same experience? Uh, it was easy for me because they had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I failed everything. Yeah, uh, seriously, it was like it was so bad. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I. I took uh, grade 11 math like three times. I was just like the worst student. And uh, there was just no, it was even an option. And all I was good at was uh, art class. And uh, I said, I, I want to go into art, Ontario College of Art and Design. And my mom was like, you know what? She's like, you're going to become one of those artists, portrait artists on sitting on Young Street, making like $10 an hour or something. And, <laughs> and at the time I thought, it's actually kind of cool, I thought. Um, but I didn't tell her that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, mom. That sounds like a great gig. <laughs> <laughs> there's also you know obviously yeah there there was uh um there were there were very uh hesitant in in having me pursue an art like an art career but again like they they didn't have a choice i didn't have any academics to vote to to be an option <laughs> yeah. was it like you nailed science 11 and they were like see there you go <laughs> <laughs> no so like not to take anything away from being like a, a like a law enforcement officer but that was my plan B. Like if I thought, okay, if everything just goes to shit, I'm going to go and become an, a police officer because I know that minorities are uh, like a, a hot in demand. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just be a cop. <laughs> Got it. So then I want to know what was that moment that first, you know, that really flicked the switch for you and you doubled down and said, nope, creative is for me. I mean, you had sort of had signs along the way, but was there a specific moment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, even when I was in, uh, so I went to our, onto the Ontario College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went in, I was still kind of lost. I wasn't entirely sure what I want, but I, I remember taking an advertising course and I completely fell in love. I, I never felt, um, I never felt that type of passion ever in my in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And those that was the defining moment where I just, I just went all out and I. I just fell completely fell in love with advertising, and I was just such a nerd. I went through all the annuals. I've never had that type of, you know, um, uh, such a con- such a uh, conviction in my life. I was like, this is it. Like, and uh, and I think kudos to the instructors there, or like just flipping through those annuals. It really clicked. Something clicked in me, and I thought, advertising is it, and I'm going to spend my entire life in advertising. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's such a great defining moment. Do you think then there's any, is there a design, a specific design in that transition stage of your life that really stands out to you as maybe the most influential so far? Uh, like a design piece? Yeah, or a design like, or an illustration or a particular, you know, ad, oh. ad that you saw in that advertising course that was, that was extremely influential for you? Yeah, I think uh, it's probably like Helmut Krohn. Um, one of his, like, you know, those Volkswagen ads, like, Yes. Think small. Um, th- those, those, whether in, um, in those David Ogilvy books I have, and uh, I remember thinking, wow, I- I've always, you know, I've really loved, you know, like the craft and everything, but seeing everything distilled in such a simple form, and um, even at the time, like, it was already like a vintage ad when I was in ad, in ad school, but uh, but I was so celebrated, and, and I was in, in, you know, in full agreement. I was like, yeah, this is it. I 
I think Helmut Krohn, um, those Volkswagen ads were a defining moment for me. Was the, was he the guy who also put that one that the lemon, the lemon? Yeah, I lemon. Did, okay, yeah. yeah, that was a classic. I remember that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know then, uh, Carson, is there specific designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Um, I would say uh, there's it's all across the board. So um, you know, so right now I'm straddling you know in between like. Uh, you know, art, the arts, uh, mural art, uh, you know, illustration, design, and advertising. So, it's, the, the spectrum is really broad right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'll just start off with uh, you know some of the more um, the some of the illustrators that I really uh, admire, mm-hmm. um, uh, such as like Tristan Eaton. Um, he's based in LA. Um, he's a mural artist. Uh, his stuff. I remember first seeing his stuff. It just completely blew me away. Um, I'll have to send send you links, um, but it, it, they're almost like coll- they're they're collages. So mm-hmm. um, they're just a uh, a really fresh way of doing collages and and figures and 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 he sometimes he would incorporate you know typography and stuff like that. And that's cool. Uh, it's really hard to really describe it, but um, what also blows my mind is that he um, he does all by hand with spray paint, and but when you look at it, it's just so clean, so crisp. I've seen it in person in uh, in Vegas. Uh, I remember just just going straight to one of his murals and standing there for like half an hour, and my <laughs> my wife and my kid was just like, "Let's go!" And I'm like, "No, I just gotta see how he's doing it." Yeah. Um, so Tristan Eaton definitely. Uh, there's another illustrator named James Jean. Uh, he's got the you know the hand of God. Like his 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 illustration work is is just incredible. Um, uh, what else? There's an agency, design agency called Rosie Lee. Uh, they're based out in London. Uh, you do um, mostly Nike stuff, uh, art installations, and um, uh, experiential um, uh, kind of marketing, mm-hmm. um, like pop mm-hmm. shops and stuff like that. Uh, and what else? Who else? Um, those are great Absolutely. ones. That that uh, yeah. London one is. Um, I've heard of them, but I have never actually looked into it. Yeah, that's the other thing. I've you know a lot of young people come to me for uh, just to talk and get advice, and I always tell them to like you know go look up these guys. And Rosalie always keeps coming up, and I don't know why. And because uh, they're they're very new, like mm-hmm. advertising has has um, you know it feels like they split in like a hundred different ways. Like agencies are trying to be digital, digital agencies are trying to be uh, traditional agencies, and Big, large traditional agencies are kind of struggling. They don't really know what they're doing. But then you've got these other boutique agencies, you know, like you know, like Rosalie, uh, that are just killing it. At least from from someone's just observing from the outside. Um, really cool, um, uh, you know, art installations and and stuff like that. So it just goes beyond when I got into advertising. It was mm-hmm. just you know, the brief was always a billboard, a magazine <laughs> ad, a radio yeah. ad, and a TV spot, and you're done. But now it's like you got social posts and you've got like, you know, experiential stuff and we can do the pop-up stuff and the content stuff. And it's just like you do way more, but the budget's pretty much the same. Yes. Um, so it's a very different time. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm just kind of doing my own thing now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, you know, how it's, you know, nowadays we're back in the day. It used to be, you know, there's radio, there's TV, there's print and newspaper. 
that's like their core. But now there's there's so much digital, there's social, there's content creation, there's YouTube, there's like, which I guess is the new TV. But the other one that still I feel like has survived the you know the test of time is print. And I wanted to ask you about your experience with print and any sort of recent interactions you've had with print. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I do, actually. Uh, I did a magazine cover for uh, BCAA. BCAA is uh, uh, British Columbia's uh, CAA. Yes. Um, so they have a publication, um, and they asked me to illustrate a cover for them. And uh, the clown was, uh, they, they loved it so much that they made it into uh, limited edition prints, uh, limited edition um, art prints. And uh, it was all numbered and signed, and it was given to all their staff as a staff appreciation day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, so my, my um, uh, like I said, like everything just, it's never just one thing anymore. So, like that one print ad became a social post, mm-hmm. it became an art print. Um, what else? Uh, and they, and then I also, uh, they also used it for like to print swag and stuff like that. So, it's it's uh it's almost like a it's a living thing now, you know like mm-hmm. print you know when I used to I used to work on Lexus and it was just like you do a photo shoot you do the car and nice headline, uh, some some copy and and you're mm-hmm. and you're done. <laughs> and you had mentioned um, just before I hit record that you had done a printer a, a limited edition prints for um, the mural festival recently in Vancouver. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, so recently, the Vancouver Mirror Fest on the fourth year, they have this um, 12 by 12 uh, collective art show uh, based on all the past artists uh, that have been part of the Mirror Fest uh, to produce a piece of whatever, uh, you know, I think the only criteria was that it had to be 12 by 12. And um, so I decided to do a print. And uh, so I did a limited print of 10 pieces. Uh, it's got gold foil and... Um, uh, and it's on, on like this fancy paper. I can't even remember the name of it. It's called Cooper <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. But um, I love the – so what it is is uh, Astro Boy with my spin on it. Uh, and it's Astro Boy on a skateboard with some weird character in the side. I don't know why he's in there, but I, I just drew him. <laughs> but you drew him anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's got these uh, really f- nice fat wheels on these skateboards and smoke coming out of it. And so the wheels and the flame, the thrusters are all in gold foil. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I kind of broke off a piece of his uh, boot and to reveal the inyards of the, the, the mechanics of Astro Boy. Yeah. And then uh, I, I wanted it, I didn't want it just to be a print. So what I did was I, I gave Astro Boy a tattoo because as you know, ta- uh, Astro Boy is a fairly naked, <laughs> naked character. <laughs> yeah. He's only got his underwear and his red boots. So I, I decided to give him a, uh, uh, almost like a yakuza looking uh, tattoo uh, on his entire body, legs, uh, and parts of his face, uh, and it was really fun uh, to do that. So I felt like a tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So why do you think you chose the print medium? Like, how, where does that stand in you know, you know, with people? How does that resonate with the recipient? Um, uh, there's 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 a uh, good and bad about the print. Because you know, essentially, I can, you know, I have a file and I can print it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I decide to to only do ten. I'll never print them, print it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just because to keep, keep things fresh, and then just to also keep it fresh, I uh, each one has the ha- hand illustrated um, uh, tattoo 
uh, on the actual print. So each print is different because it's got the, the actual hand-drawn component to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I chose the print because um, I can I can I can take it apart and I can redo a remix in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have like this huge, basically a library of my, of the art that I've done um, that I can uh, source anytime, redo a remix, um, and it's uh, kind of just building a, a image bank. So just so I fully understand the project, you had 10 copies produced um, and they were all the same, but then you took them and on top of the print hand illustrated this Yakuza style tattoo on the character. So it was a combination of print, but also almost fine art with your illustration added to it after the fact. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And what was the, who was it for? What was the distribution? Um, so it was for the Vancouver Real Fest. Uh, so one was uh, at the show, um, and then one was sent to my friend, a good friend of mine in Amsterdam. His son is named Astro. So uh, very fittingly, uh, nice. this would go really well. Uh, and it, they had just moved there as a housewarming gift. Um, but yeah, it was just I'm I'm kind of experimenting into you know fine art prints. Um, so this was like a nice little. Um, uh, I would say like exercise for me to see what the process was like and to see what the demands like and just gen in general to see the actual physical print to touch it and and even just adding those embellishments such as the gold foils are a really mm -hmm. nice touch. And see, you, you really hit the nail on the head with that because you, there's absolutely no way you could create this kind of experience, a tangible experience where you have a physical piece. You can't replicate that in digital in any way. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really unique and special. Yeah, and and like I said, like um, because we've got such a, we live in such an amazing time right now. It's so much technology, and what I usually like to do, like I don't want to just do one thing. Mm -hmm. So this astral piece uh, is actually going to be an animated GIF. So oh, we're cool. working on an animation, so you could see it moving. Uh, we're also playing around with AR, um, just see actually just see it come to life um, and. It can live in so many different ways. We're also doing uh, enamel pins too. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you still see, can see this, but uh, so I've done these uh, enamel pins for uh, Nike. I was for the Air Max day, and I did five five these five of these enamels, uh, enamel um, designs. Everyone's uh, different. Um, there was a limited edition, and they were released with um, Sportcheck. That's and cool. uh, or no, Footlocker, Footlocker, I think. Yeah, and uh, people went nuts on these, and so. Astro Boy uh, is also a uh, experimental piece where I could make it into a, a, as an enamel pen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of benefits, obviously, doing it as a print because when it's when digital form, I can I can transform it to live in um, different entities and different uh, forms. But I like also how you mentioned that you were using the print, um, but also augmented reality and sort of interacting the print and merging those print and di physical and digital worlds. That's really cool. Yeah. So, Carson, the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out and share those with um, with the audience here. Um, so what do you think has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I would say the most challenging part was when uh, earlier I mentioned how I uh, used to freelance and run my business. Mm -hmm. And um, 
doing all that at the same time. And I remember um, it being one of the most stressful times of my entire life because I think I was freelancing for three different agencies. Oh my god! And I also had this huge illustration project uh, for Sport Check. It was for the My North project. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, illustration. I don't remember. They had a pretty big media buy for the Raptors, and it was uh, illustration of of Toronto. Nine neighborhoods put together into one, mm-hmm. and each neighborhood had uh, a very intricate um, story t- been told visually through my illustration work. And uh, I was working on that. Timing was incredibly tight. But when I, I remember first taking on the job, they said, "Oh, you know, like you're the artist. Take your time." And I was like, sweet. That but always then, starts like that. <laughs> yeah. And then a week in, they're like, actually, the client had bought media. So these are the new dates you have to work with. I was like, oh, my God. And I was freelancing. I remember freelancing at Taxi and working on this thing for Sidley, uh, which was the sport checking. Mm-hmm. And then I was also doing something for Gray and uh, some other, other thing. I forget. But I was, I was working so freelancing as an art director during the day from nine to five. And then I'd sneak out at lunch to, to work on, on this illustration and then like run home, like literally right after work to work on this. And then, and I had a newborn at the time, oh, um, my daughter, Audrey. And then, uh, I would work until like three in the morning and they're also East coast. So I was working both time zones and some other time zone. That was the most challenging, definitely the most challenging. And I remember it was so stressful. I had to record the audio to myself, reminding myself to never, ever take on so many jobs. <laughs> it was so and everything at the time was so good. And everything was a, just an opportunity that I could not refuse. Yeah. So I decided to, yeah, I'll just do it. It was a really, I mean, I made it through. Uh, I probably shortened, like, you know, I probably took off, you know, 10, 15 years of my lifespan. <laughs> so yeah. the way you got through that is just head down, keep work, 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 work. And you just worked through until you were done the jobs. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, it was not good. I, I worked around the clock. I had basically no sleep. And then I also actually hired another girl named Joanne Ambro, uh, Ambrosio. Uh, she, uh, incredible illustrator. Uh, so I hired her uh, to help me, um, while I was working mm-hmm. uh, at taxi. So, so this this illustration I was working on sport check. Uh, they had a gazillion different buildings. So I gave her um, um, a list of things that she could help me illustrate in my style. And everything was built in vector and, and in layers. So I was able to like put her stuff seamlessly, fuse them into with my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge help. Definitely. Would she, she would just we would work. You know, she on Dropbox, she would put the stuff and she send it my way. So it was great. One of the best hires. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It saved you a little bit there. Oh, yeah. Um, do you have a specific design or a project that you have been a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? Can you tell us about that story and how that felt? Yes. So funny you mentioned this. Um, so when I came straight out of art school, uh, I worked at an agency called Ambrose, Carlin, and Carroll. I don't know if you remember them, ACLC. Steve Conover was my creative director. And uh, the very, one of the very first projects I was put on was for Fram Air Filters. And um, I hired a photographer named Derek Shackton. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now because that was 20 years ago, and I'm actually now working with Derek Shackton again. <laughs> uh, I'll be in Toronto, I think, in two weeks working with Derek. Nice. And uh, so I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me. Uh, but uh, so that was a, a, a big mess up. And it was entirely my fault. It had nothing to do with Derek. 
And it was just my experience. And so I'll just describe the, the ad. The ad was for primary filters, and the idea was that nothing goes through these filters because they're, they're really, um, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're built incredibly well, and they've got this really fine. They're good uh, at niche. filtering. Yeah. And so the analogy, visual analogy at the time uh, for the print ad was a goalie, like a huge, huge goalie with oversized pads standing from, and nothing goes through, right? So I had hired Derek from Westside Studios to shoot um, a small guy in a, essentially like a kid in an extra large um, hockey gear. Mm-hmm. But little did we know, I didn't do my research properly, that the goalie actually looked normal. It didn't look out of normal. You know, like in my head, I thought, oh, this is going to look really funny in the print ad. But it looked like just a normal goalie sitting in front of a, a net. Yeah, and uh, it did not fly. Like we already spent the money, we already shot the whole thing, and my creative director was freaking out. He was like, "Carson, this is not working." So, also funny enough, so to save the whole project, I actually illustrated the piece. It became an illustration. So that was actually my very first illustration job. <laughs> um, illustrated because you had to. I had to um, because we did, we already spent the money. We already shot the whole thing. The shots did not work out. The shot. I mean, the shots were great for what it is, but it, for, from a con- concept perspective, it did not work. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up just illustrating this, this goalie. And, and, you know, as an illustration, you can make things as exaggerated as you want and everything. And it, it was fine, but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was not good at the time. Oh, <laughs> I remember it being really um, bad, but you learn. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Struggling. Um, uh, yeah, when you say design, I illustration, uh, design, agent yeah, studio running. What are you struggling with right now? I would say uh, just um, the workflow, managing the workflow. There's 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 a lot going on right now, and like mm-hmm. I said, I still have this problem of saying yes to a lot of things. Yes, and so that's why I have Aiken here. And I, and, I, and I told her that your job is to boss me around. And she's like, this is so weird, person. I was like, I know, but, but you I have need to it. <laughs> the bad cop. I need the bad cop to tell me what not to take. Yeah. And um, so I think that's the biggest thing because I, because it's always about timing. It's not like you finish your project and then you move on. It's like a clean cut and then you move on to it. It's never like that. Mm-hmm. You're working on a big project. You take on the big project and halfway through something comes through. But you have to start the conversation because there's always a – uh, the you know the, the the staggering of time because once it gets in, into conversation mode uh, it could be another few weeks before the project actually begins mm-hmm. so it would be foolish to say hey I'm too busy I'm not going to do it for sure because once you're done that project that you're working on then you've you, your time's starting to free up and the biggest struggle is like I, I see myself like a like a chef like I'm the only person cooking in the kitchen and um, so for me to scale and uh, I have to find another cook that cooks just like me, mm-hmm. um, which can be done. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, that's my biggest struggle right now. So you're looking for a chef? Just, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Right now, mm-hmm. it's 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 perfect. Like you know, we yesterday the entire studio went to uh, a Creative Pulse um, uh, talk for this guy named Chris Doe. I don't know. He's pretty big on YouTube. Um, and he talks about you know the, the the business side of design, and uh, it was really it was really uh, inspiring 
to hear him talk yesterday. That's cool. All right. I, um, I'm going to turn this bus around for you, and I want to ask you about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing or maybe the biggest design feather in your cap. Uh, yes, it was for this guy, uh, Kid Robot. Nice. Uh, so I've always been, a, not always, but I, I've been a big fan of uh, vinyl art for, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was working on, on um, a toy store in Toronto called uh, Magic Pony. They're still around and they're inside the design exchange. Um, so it was like a creative proposal and I was working at Denso at the time and we wanted to do something really cool for them. So I did, I started to, uh, discover this world of vinyl toys and then, um, fast forward a couple of years, I started to work at Rethink and I did a mural for them in, for the Toronto office and I put it, put it up on my blog and it got picked up by Kid Robots, uh, their blog. And then, um, they reached out to me to invite me to design one of their, um, dunnies, like these little, the little guys. And I was just completely over the moon because um, it, it was always in my system, and I've always wanted to do stuff for them. So when they came, it was just like it was like crazy. Um, that's that's probably one of the one of my most proudest moments. That's a great one. Nice, yeah, nice find, nice story. Um, Carson, we're at the time of the show for the ask it forward question. Yes. So I've got a question for you from my previous guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Um, So my previous guest was Dalton, and he was an art director at Appel Design in Malibu. And he is big into music, and his go-to album, when he's feeling tight in a bind and he just needs to put his head down and zone out, he puts on an album, Daft Punk Live 2007. So he wanted to ask you, what is your design album? Your album, the, your go-to music album, that is uh, what powers you through. Uh, I would say the Flaming Lips, uh, the Soft Bulletin. Nice. Uh, yeah, that album uh, is my go-to, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> that album, I've um, I fell really deeply in love with that album. And this is gonna sound super weird. Uh, I especially deeply in love with it because one time I I, uh, I, t- I had too much cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of overdosed on cough syrup. And I was listening to that song, um, uh, feeling um, disintegrate. I, is that the the song name? It's so here. Let me look it up. But I remember disintegrate. <laughs> uh, feeling yourself disintegrate yeah. and I remember feeling like I was on my bed and I felt like I was levitating and I was like holy shit this is like out of body experience this <laughs> is <laughs> from Buckley's Buckley's cough syrup and listening to the flaming lips gotta hit that Buckley's <laughs> so that was my that my that's so it's been my go-to I love it I love the story behind it too um Carson do you have a question for my next guest uh that was a good really good question from the past guest because uh, music is such a big thing uh, in my life. Um, hmm. uh, my question for your next guest would be, um, what keeps you going? Um, you know, doing what they do, and uh, you know, h- how do you keep that passion alive? I'll ask them. Okay, great, Carson. Thank you so <laughs> much for your time, man. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Uh, really honored. 
and uh, super fun. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, guys. I really appreciate your time here. Carson is a very, very talented guy. So please go check out his work on Instagram. Check out his website. Carson Ting does just some incredible stuff. Thank you again, guys. I will be back tomorrow with episode 98. And we are just ripping toward episode 100. And I got a little something special there for you. Thanks for being here. Cheers.